0: Welcome to this RTD interview today I'm excited to have first time guest Mr Ray Ashley the president of F3 Uranium Corporation. Ray has worked in the mineral exploration industry for over 35 years and today he joins us to share his expertise on the energy space as well as possible opportunities in the uranium sector. So Ray welcome to RTD interviews.
1: Thank you very much, Michael.
0: Appreciate you taking time to join me and I'm definitely looking forward to finding out more about F3. But before we do that, I would like to get an idea as to, you know, what are some things you're keeping an eye on because not only are you an investor, but you're also the president of a company. So I know that your viewpoint has to be very broad or very you know macro in nature. But before we do that, I'm curious to find out a little bit more about you. So for those who may not know Ray Ashley, can you give us a brief synopsis of your background and how you've arrived at this point in your career?
1: Oh, thank yeah, absolutely, Michael. I appreciate you uh, inviting me to to, to to speak with you. That's kind. Um, yeah. Look, I'm a, I've been in the mineral exploration industry for for forty years now. So I'm passionate. I'm a geophysicist. I'm passionate about uh, exploration and uh, t- you know looking for deposits. Um, I've worked in in uh, many different minerals. And and but since two thousand and eight, I've been focused in uranium exploration, and I'm lucky enough to have been involved in three discoveries since having uh, focused on uranium exploration since two thousand and eight, actually. And that's in northern Canada, uh, in, in northern Canada, and the province of Saskatchewan. Actually, thirteen percent of uh, of the uranium production globally comes from Canada, and specifically from Northern Saskatchewan. And that's where uh, I've been focused on mineral exploration since 2008.
0: All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so before we dive into that, uh, because as I mentioned before, I'm still trying to learn and understand the overall commodity space, especially with energy, because I know it's going to be very important for our future. But before we do that, there's a lot of events happening right now around the world that I'm sure play a major role into the importance of uranium as an alternative energy source. But before we dive into that, I'm curious to get your thoughts uh, as an investor, as well as you know, the president of a company, you know, what are some things that I guess concerns you or perhaps excites you that you're keeping an eye on from the global macro standpoint in reference to events happening today? Oh, absolutely. Look,
1: it really, I'd say it kicked off a few years ago when uh, interest started to be focused on the uranium space. And that really, to me, came as a result of people really realizing that renewables, like renewables are fantastic. Wind power, solar power, it's it, they're fantastic, but um, there needed to be a way to generate baseload power when the wind wasn't blowing and the sun's not shining. That's really how it started. And and really the global acceptance of nuclear uh, nuclear power generation has has is is happening. The World Nuclear Association is talking about four point I think it's four point two percent annual growth through twenty. 40. Um, that was a report that they put out before the uh, invasion of Ukraine. And and so since the the invasion of Ukraine, there's a lot of European countries that are saying that they want to have less of a reliance on Russian gas as a way to produce their power. And, and because of that, what they're doing is looking towards nuclear uh, energy as the way to generate this base load power. There's no uh, greenhouse gases, the gases that uh, uh, contribute to global warming, that their nuclear power is a way to, to generate power with base load power without that. And really globally, there's a big acceptance over the last few years, increasing acceptance as nuclear power to, as the way to generate that. Um, Germany has decided not, not to shut down two of its reactors to make that energy from available. Uh Finland's expanding uh in into building reactors. I think China now is committed to building 150 new reactors. So globally there's a you know there's a uh, it, that's what's causing this focus on the nuclear space. And then additionally in the mid to long term uh there's small modular reactors are being developed and built and that in the mid to long term, is to me going to be a stance to be a game changer as an, another uh, increasing use of uranium and nuclear power, actually, nuclear power to generate hydrogen. So, small n- modular reactors, uh, I think they're being developed and built in 11 different countries, and there's three that are operating. And these, well, you know, I think they stand to be a game changer. Um, but they they'll also increase the demand for uranium.
0: So you, you hit on a lot of key things there. I'm curious, just get your thoughts a little bit more in depth in reference to the recent activity out east with China and Russia. They seem to be ramping up things. As you mentioned, China looking at building 150 or so nuclear reactors. That's that's pretty much a game changer. And so my question is, you know, as the world looks to shift away from oil and carbon emitting gases and things of that nature you know why does it seem like it's all taking place all of a sudden within the last year or two or three that it's caught my attention i'm assuming that it's been an uh, importance prior to but why now do you think it's so important to really begin the ramp up for the supplying being be able to supply uranium
1: oh well look as countries are now pushing to uh supplying more of their baseload power by from nuclear energy i think it's just that that there's a an increasing demand for uranium. Uh, I think it's really just that, you know? Like, I think there's 90 some reactors in the US, 93 reactors I think it is, that are, that now they they were thinking of retiring. And and since then, the the US government has now put, us, I think it's $6 billion, has been assigned to, to extending the life of those reactors. And it's just, globally, there's more acceptance of nuclear power being the solution uh baseload power is what's missing um if we're going to if greenhouse gas emissions are going to be stopped there needs to be baseload power generation that doesn't generate greenhouse gases and and the, i think the world is moving towards seeing nuclear power generation as the solution um yeah like in the states there is no virtually no production of uranium in the states but that's also expanding now there's a number of companies that are looking to start uh, mining uranium again through uh, in situ leaching and other methods uh that it, there used to be mo- a lot more and that tapered off now that's increasing again because it's just the uh you know the interest in the nuclear space as the solution
0: I know so clearly the demand is there now let's get into more of the supply like especially in the eastern side of things I' am to my knowledge you know it's been heavily concentrated with you know discoveries in the eastern hemisphere I'm sorry but h- over here in the western hemisphere it seems like Canada is naturally rich in, I guess, deposits. And I, I'm assuming hopefully there are some here in the U.S. as well. But, you know, will there be enough available above ground to meet this demand in the next you know, decade or so at this current moment from what you see?
1: Well, I think it's there. You know, a lot of a lot of uranium mines uh, can't go into production with the price when the price is low. And so, you know, Kazakhstan produces, I think it's 46 percent of the of the uranium Supply, global right. uranium supply. Now, they're trying to move away from Russian from Russia, I understand, but uh, arguably there's there's quite a lot of Russian influence there. So conceivably, that supply could be cut off. I mean, that's what people talk about. Would there be other places where that supply could be replaced in places like Canada or the US? I think absolutely. But for that to happen, the price of uranium would have to increase. And that's one of the other reasons why there's a lot of investment happening in the uranium space because people recognize the price has already risen quite a bit over the last few years, that that stands to continue. And any precipitating event like I've just described would really skyrocket the price. And, you know, I, I would suspect we don't know what might happen. Uh, but yeah, for for this production to be increased, I think a lot of these mines uh, can only go into production if the price of uranium increases. You know, Kazakhstan and Northern Canada are where the uranium is produced for at the lowest, very low cost per pound. And that's why, you know, even at low uranium prices, Kazakhstan and Northern Canada and Saskatchewan can keep producing uranium. But if there's a more supply that's required, I think the price of uranium will have to rise so that other your other sources of uranium production can go uh, uranium can go into production
0: all right interesting so let's uh, i guess let's dive in because clearly the demand is there the supply is, is is readily available and so f3 uranium and so if you don't mind let's dive into that real quick and give us the nuts and bolts of everything and, and share with the audience the opportunity p- perhaps that lies ahead so for those who may not be familiar with f3 uranium give us the, i guess the origin story how did it come about and you know give us some of the information about the team and things of that nature
1: Absolutely, Michael. So look, as I said, I've been involved in uranium exploration in Northern Canada since 2008. And that first company was called Fission Energy. Um, And we made a discovery of a uranium deposit. Eventually, uh, in 2010, we made that discovery. And that was sold in 2012, after we defined that zone to Denison for uh, um, $85 million dollars. Right after immediately after that, we we had another exploration property in the western side of the Athabasca basin. It spans the width of the province. And there we made another uranium discovery in 2012. And that since that point, that depo- and I was the vice president of exploration of that company. It was called the second fission company, fission uranium corp. And I worked there, they just finished a feasibility study. So they've defined. 135 million pound uh, uh, resource. They've completed a preliminary economic assessment, two pre-feasibility studies, and they've just finished the feasibility study. And now they're they're trying to get the permits to put that mine into production. And right near there, another company found a, a, a very big deposit. These are really big uranium deposits. Uh, Next Gen found the aero deposit. So that's gonna be the area in the Athabasca basin. You know where I'm saying 13% of the world's uranium production comes from, where that'll be the next development of uranium mines. Um, and, and they're not far away now, not many years away really now from having the permits to to start that. Yep. I would, something like five years from now. Um, what we've done, so that was the second vision. That vision uranium then spun out its exploration properties from the asset in 2014, they made that discovery in 2012. In 2014, they spun out the exploration properties into the third fission company, and that's F3 Uranium. And that's what we're talking about today. I'm the president of F3. So, F3 in 20, so we've been exploring on those exploration properties since 2014. 2022, last year, we raised uh, money. Dev Randall was the CEO. He was the CEO of all three of those companies. So, you got the team that's now that made those two discoveries. So $12.3 million were raised of flow through money to go and explore on those properties. And at the end of the year, there's 16 properties that F3 has all the way around this Athabasca basin that we've worked on and researched and, and understood for and studied for all those years. So at the end of 2022 in November, it's the third discovery now of a high grade uranium deposit. So it's the Athabasca basin's newest high-grade uranium deposit. Um, November 21st, would put out the news release. So that discovery hole, Michael, into the JR zone, what we now call the JR zone, was a 50-meter interval of 6.97% uranium. And within that, a 5.5-meter core of 18.6% uranium. Um, that's a be- That was a beautiful discovery hole. So f- at that point, we drilled four more holes in November to try and now see how big that might be. We went back in January, we raised $8 million for a winter program. The goal to expand that zone now uh, and to find out the, the potential size of this new discovery. So what did we find? We found a zone, a zone of mineralization that's shallow to only 225 meters vertically below the surface. It's wide, which is an, an important thing that speaks to the to the, uh, the the potential size, the fact that it's wide and then with a super high grade core. So th- we raised that 8 million bucks at the beginning of this year and uh, went ahead and just completed at the end of the of March a 21 drill hole program. Um, the main outcome results of that very successful program are that we've now managed to, extend the length of this zone to 105 meters. So it's now uh, defined over a strike length of 105 meters within what we call the A1 main shear zone. So it's a shear zone, which is a fault within the basement rocks. So, um, and and the fluids that would have brought in this uranium mineralization would have traveled along this fault. So we've extended the mineralization within the fault to 105 meters. The other significant thing is that we just put out a news release, uh, which was the first um, uh, assay results from the drill program. And what we found is on in hole 60, which uh, well, we call it hole number 60, 60 meters south of the beautiful discovery hole, we hit an even stronger, uh, a wider, a wide, strong, even stronger mineralization. In this hole 60, 60 meters south of the discovery, there's now. 14 and a half meter interval of 9.4%. And within that, uh, there's a five meter core that's now 26.7% uranium source. So it's, 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 it seems to be strengthening towards the south. So right now we've just announced an, another financing. Uh, and that again is to do what? Is to continue to try and define and expand this zone. Uh, and that's really all it's about now. It's a beautiful discovery. It's high grade, it's shallow, it's got all the right you know signs. The question now is about the potential size. So uh, we're planning the summer program right now and there'll be really two focuses now. We'll be to continue growing it. so we just keep stepping out. We step the drill out on 15 roughly 15 meter step outs to keep extent intersecting that mineralization and extending it. But what we found is really a horizontal lens that's just below the unconformity. The unconformity is at the bottom of the sandstone and and at the top of the base granite basement rocks. So we we found a lens that's 25 meters below that unconformity. And often in the Athabasca Basin, there's uranium at the unconformity that's flat lying. We found a horizontal lens. So there's a potential for not, if not, we haven't found the ends of this first zone, but there's potential for other types of uranium mineralization along this 3.6 kilometer long structure. We know the fluids have flowed there. We know the, the mineralizing event has led to these very high grades. So there's now a lot of potential along that entire structure. And mm-hmm. so we'll be, we're planning to do exploration there as well, along that to look down dip, deeper down within the structure and up at the unconformity at, at the same time, as we continue to grow the original, this original JR zone that we discovered, that you know is still open, uh, really in all directions, it continues to be open. We fa- haven't found the end of this first uh, pod of of high-grade uranium mineralization. So we're really excited. You know the difference between F three and you know other the the the, the, Uran- the companies in the uranium space you know, as there's a, a interest in the uranium space, then there's investment coming into the uranium space. So all of the uranium companies are really going up based on this global global focus now on uranium as a solution. But what F3 is, is also a discovery story. We've made a discovery. If you look at our, our uh, market capitalization, it has gone from 20 million in November to more than hundred million now. So that is, a much higher growth than just what's happening in the uranium space itself in general. And that's because of this phenomenal new discovery, you know, that stands to be really quite significant. So we're a discovery story. Um, that's what we are really is, uh, you know, we're explorers. We we are treasure hunters. That's what what we're focused on is discovery. And uh, we've made a beautiful new discovery. Now it's just about, I don't know how big it'll be, but certainly the results so far are, are, really encouraging and it stands to be something you know really quite significant and we're focused very much on trying to establish exactly that
0: all right well no I thank you for sharing that so for those who may be curious to find out more can you i guess share with us your ticker symbol as well as i'll, I'll put information in the in the description but they want to go find out more about and of course i'm see some of this opportunity here where would you want to point them back to
1: yeah so we we trade on the tsx venture Ex- exchange uh and that's uh Fuu is the symbol, and on on OTC uh, that's FUUFF. Um, so we we trade on those two places. You know, there's been a lot of changes just this month with F three. Uh, I was appointed to be the president. I had been the vice president exploration. So now Sam Hartman was appointed as VP again. We've, you know, I'm lucky to work with a team of people that's been involved in three discoveries. Uh, Sam Sam was there since the since 2010, when we made that first discovery. So fun, you know, very experienced uranium geologist appointed to the board. I was appointed to the board of F3 also this month and two new the board was also uh, technically, technical people were appointed to the board. These, the, the, John DeJoya and Terrence, Terrence OCA, they were appointed to the board as well. So, you know, the company is really, um, we're, we're uh, advanced, you know, supplementing the, the uh, resources, human resources within the company so that we can really take advantage of this new opportunity and I, I'm really lucky to work with very experienced people and I'm grateful for that. It's we've made a discovery now we have to go and uh, you know evaluate it in the short term it's to to try and expand this zone and in the midterm it's to come with our come out with our maiden resource estimate. That's really what it is. How, how big is what we've discovered? So we're really looking forward to going forward here.
0: Sounds good. Well, once again, Ray, I appreciate you for joining us on RTD Interviews. And as I mentioned before, staying in tune with you guys. And of course, hopefully have you back on later in the year to see where you guys are at that point and find out any new discoveries that you guys have tapped into. But once again, yeah. thank you for joining us on RTD Interviews.
1: Yeah, thank you kindly, Michael. I appreciate it.